Yep. Hello, and welcome back to the Pipeline Superheroes podcast. Our superhero today is Mark, CEO of TechScreen, an ace IT recruiter. Um, Mark, how are you doing today? Doing great, Grant. Awesome. So tell me how you got into IT recruiting and tell me about uh, you starting TechScreen as well. Yep, absolutely. So one of the things about recruiting, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. Most of the people, other than those who get hired as brand new grads right out of college because they couldn't find something to do with their business administration degree, um, <laughs> many of them come to recruiting through some sort of career change. I was no different, right? I mean, I started life as a writer and editor of the newspaper racket. You know, and just happened to land in IT recruiting, um, you know, in the mid 90s. Um, but I had absolutely no clue about engineering or IT or anything like that. The first time my boss actually called out a job board and he's, he's th throwing out buzzwords that skills that they need to have. And he said TCPIP, I thought my head was going to explode. And I turned to my colleague to my left, Monica, how the heck do you keep track of this? I'm like, ah, don't worry about it. You just get used to it. <laughs> and so so I, I went there in my first year, I, I killed it. I was like the number six producer in the country out of like 400 people. So I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. It pays way better than newspapers did. Um, but I got recruited into a high-end Microsoft solution provider where I was hiring internal employees. And, and so... One day, I'm, I'm, I got brought this guy in for an interview with our CEO, who is deeply technical, and I was horrified when I saw him getting escorted to the elevator by the admin after like three minutes. So <laughs> I'm in a panic. Oh my god, what could possibly have happened? So I run up to the CEO's office and said, "Frank, what's going on?" What? And he said, "Dude, if I interview one more guy like that, I'm going to shoot you in the head." <laughs> <laughs> and there was just enough seriousness in it. So I said, you know what? I've got to figure out some way I can do some type of due diligence so this doesn't happen again. So we had hired these two just stone killers, like middle tier software developers, and I'd go in the room with them and they'd interview a guy and I'd sit there and I'd break down the questions. And afterwards, I'd debrief with them and said, okay, guys, what are the answers to these questions? What is it that this is telling us about their knowledge? How does it relate to their capabilities and to produce certain types of work? And, and, and constantly, you know, and then I would just pull guys, I've been a nuisance of myself, pull guys aside, hey, whiteboard, explain this to me, whiteboard this out. And I constantly read, I read the white paper on Java, I read the white paper on C-sharp and just, and one day I'm sitting in my office and I'm talking to this guy with a real looking resume, worked at companies that recognize, you know, guy like 11, 12 years of experience. I asked him this complete down the middle of the road, bare question to a software engineer. It was um, a question of, tell me, describe polymorphism, which is this object-oriented concept of certain approach to doing software design and complex systems. And I won't bore you with the details of what he said, but effectively, Grant, it'd be like, if I said, hey, Grant, what kind of car do you drive? Your reply to me would was, uh, well, we planted some hardy mums out by the front walk, but I think the shingles on the shed will stand up for another winter. And I'd be like, wow, can <laughs> I black out for five minutes of the conversation? That makes no sense. His answer to that technical question was equally off target. And bam, that's when I had my epiphany. I said, oh my God, I just technically DQ'd a guy with a totally legit resume who worked at companies in, in our region in Greater Boston at the time. 
he worked at a company that had a like, really stellar technical reputation. I was like, oh my God, I just DQ this guy. This is powerful. Mm-hmm. And so that that's when I really dug in. And over time, I had cultivated the ability to do my own legitimate technical interviews and would constantly study. Like I would go to user groups and I would go to like Microsoft Code Camp. Most of my friends were engineers. And so I, I still, to this day, I have... I am threads. We got down into the weeds with stuff that would make your hair hurt. And, and so I started to see the value and the impact of being able to help a company in their hiring process. Like Indeed.com did a study a couple of years ago of the economic impact of the economy due owing to unfilled seats. And what un, Indeed uncovered was that the U.S. economy bleeds $160 billion a year in opportunity costs because of empty seats. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why there's such a problem is because so many many open positions in the United States are technical in nature, right? Mm -hmm. If you you have a big giant pie and and looked at all the different sectors of recruiting, IT is the biggest one, it's like 55%. I mean, Fidelity Investments, right? As much production software code as any independent software vendor. Like everyone uses technology just to run their operations. And so what happens is so many recruiters typically enter the space through the agency where they're thrown in the treadmill. Okay, here are your KPIs. We, we need you to make this many phone calls and, and, and arrange this many you know, send outs from candidates and this many meetings with customers. And it's all numbers. Most people don't make it. And so they're just, there's no time to teach them anything about technology. And the boss who hired them in a business, like, well, they pulled themselves up by the bootstraps. They didn't have to have a whole bunch of technical information infused into them. He just went by the seat of your pants, you figured it out. And the people who have the wits and wherewithal to survive come out on the other side. There's a trail of bodies that are left, but mm-hmm. they, they have not figured out how do we provide information that's going to help them tactically do their jobs better without being a burden of taking the time to learn it consume all that content and make actionable use of it. It's it's just human constraints and calendar time just don't allow for any of it. We have got it figured out though. Mm-hmm. So what do, what do, okay. So my, I have a lot of experience with like SaaS founders and operators, especially pre-series B where yep. you have really talented founders who are trying to do it all on their own. And maybe there's like a bootstrapping component where they don't necessarily want to spend too much time, time or money on recruiting. They yeah. think they can just, you know, through their own vision and magnetism, bring people in. What yeah. do those kind of folks do wrong? And talk through your experiences with <laughs> like, you know, SaaS startups, especially because software is its own beast where there's like really vertical domain expertise. There's breadth, there's depth of certain skills. Yeah. And like, you know, you, you mentioned um, like being able to DQ people fairly early on yeah. by asking a straightforward question. It reminds yeah. me of the uh, the adage of you ask an engineer to bring you a cup of coffee. And if you don't include the right instructions, you get hot water, you get a cup and you yeah. get the coffee beans. And it's like three <laughs> right. things. Like It's like, I brought you a cup of coffee. Right. So, um, so yeah, but anyway, I, I, I'm curious how you think about like what founders do wrong because that's really like the audience for this podcast. And I think like where you could pro- provide a lot of interesting insight as well. Right, so... Well, first of all, there's so many different companies out there trying to solve some kind of problem with a, with a SaaS offering. Yep. And, and, and so I, I think so often you forget about the look at the 
user experience from like, so you want to pre present a message to some person, someone you're trying to hire. Okay. How would you receive the message if, it, if you were, if you were making the pitch, right? And so, so, so many people don't think about the what's in it for me. You know, wh why should I go consider yours over some other things? And, and they get caught up talking about the features of this SaaS off you know, this SaaS product does this, this SaaS product does that, you know, and, and as opposed to, Here's what you're going to get if you come work with us. Here's, you know, here's the problem we're solving. Here's the the value it, it represents. Here's how you are going to benefit from, you know, joining us because this is how you're going to, this is how you, the knowledge you're going to attain, the the positive impact of what we actually do for, you know, for, for as a business. And they, you have to think about like, like, why should I take this position? Because I have, a lot of options out there and they're selling features of their platform versus this is what's in it for you. This is why you need to come here for the betterment of your career and your, and your development, because mm -hmm. there's, there's such a fierce sense of pride and ownership for the founder. You know, they're proud of their baby. Look at our, this shiny Rolls Royce here that we built and they get caught up in, in trying to blow people away by the features of the product and they can't personalize it down to the individual because the person who maybe is a, is a terrific sales salesperson, they have options. But it, you know, it, break it down into the what's in it for them. Um, and I think that it would have more traction with these with these folks because who isn't going to respond positively to the hey they're leading with the what's in it for me, not come be part of this you know elite. SaaS company that has this great product with bazillions of buzz, you know, bells and whistles, like great. But I want to know how do I benefit by being attached to this rocket ship? And what's my long-term, like mm -hmm. what's for me long-term, you know, short-term and, and near-term. And, and, and I just think it's so easy to get pulled into that rat hole of selling the features of the company versus the upside for the individual. What is the best, like, and you can, this can be as technical or, or not, but like, what is the best interview question for an IT professional that folks aren't asking? Um, so here, the, 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 the biggest, the, absolutely the biggest thing, because the first problem is most, even technical managers badly confuse a job description with a job requirement. Right. So we actually have a methodology we define called work. It's based on here's this template of questions you should be asking every single time there's a job intake call. And because it's so easy to get caught up in the buzzword. So what we focus on is like, okay, so let's say you're the VP of engineering and you need to hire, I don't know, an architect. And I would say, like, okay, give me one or two deliverables. This person is absolutely going to have to hit, say, in the first 90 to 120 days. Okay, so let's establish what those are. Let's say there's two deliverables. I'm just like, now, what question can I ask that will absolutely tell me up or down if this person has the competency and experience to execute that role, period? It's so easy to get distracted by all the buzzwords. You see, if you just took a look through some, like, say, software engineering job descriptions, it is going to be a blizzard of buzzwords. So many of the app and tracking systems are designed around, you know, keyword matching between a resume and a job spec. So, oh, this is a match because 
they both have, you know, the job description and the resume say Angular JS. Big deal. What does that mean? Um, but it's asking the question, like, what knowledge and experience is it going to take to produce this work artifact that's absolutely going to be on this person's plate if they're, if they're sitting in that seat? Because if they can't answer that question, what's the point? Mm -hmm. There's just no point even continuing the conversation. Um, have you ever heard the classic Google software engineer question? Maybe they did it more generally of like, if you're shrunk down to the size of an action figure and you're put in a blender, how do you get out? You ever hear that one? No, but there's so many of them. I mean, Microsoft used to be more famous when they were more of a yeah. dominant player. You know, it's like, okay, how much gasoline does the city of Cambridge, Mass. burn in a month? Right. And then, right. and then you reverse engineer the company citizens, yeah. how many, you know, and, and all that stuff. So, so I, I haven't heard that one particularly, but it sounds mm -hmm. like it's right in line with many of the off, you know, the, yeah. you know, um, for, for anyone curious, if you're at that size, like the, force that you could push down your legs relative to your volume means you're able to jump just right out like kind of the way that bugs can jump really high so okay. i don't know if they want people to know that or they want people <laughs> to be creative but like but but, <laughs> but there's like a um there's a uh a lesson there about like company values and like what i wanted to ask again is like so mm -hmm. i'm sure you've worked with a lot of companies in your in your area mm -hmm. uh in your in your professional career you've worked mm -hmm. with a lot of companies oh, yeah. how do you stand out especially in a period now where you see and you know not making a moral judgment on this mm -hmm. people switch jobs more than ever it's yeah. so much easier to log into linkedin get a new job get recruited and without even leaving you know your apartment right yeah um so how do you like how does that change what you do one and then two if i'm a company and i want to set up a company culture and yeah. I want to establish that in the interview process. How do I do that when there's so many companies out there that are recruiting for similar things? And that's why I asked about the Google thing, because yep. that tells you everything you know about Google. You got to be a little right. weird. You got to think out <laughs> of the box. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be fun. And like, that's right. like, like, I think that's like, you know, and that's why I became famous. But anyway. Yeah. Um, and so let me see if I understand your question correctly. Like, so yeah, I threw two at you there as well. Yeah. Okay, so what 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 order do you want me to answer these questions? In? Let um let's let's do the second one first. Actually, like company values in the interview process, how do you stand out in a really competitive field? Right. So we talk about the problem we're trying to solve. Okay, because like we're trying to solve a problem that that no one solved in our space, and the the fact that recruiters are being asked to be the broker between deeply technical audiences, like the engineering manager and the aloof developer. And they're being asked to be a broker. And as a knowledge worker, they have the biggest deficit of any knowledge worker in existence because they don't know anything about technology, but they're being asked to have the competence of the hiring manager and, and, the, and to be able to get the developer to actually want to talk to them. So what we do from a value proposition perspective is we're helping um, elevate the technical literacy of our users every single time they engage with our platform, right? Because we, uh, our entire platform is based on the premise of just-in-time knowledge. And so, so, so everyone thinks training has its place in the world and it does, but what does all training in the world have in common? It doesn't matter what the subject is. And I'll give you the short answer. The, the, I'll get to right to the answer is- It's finite. We, yes, but the, the, the real common thread from my perspective is all the users have to stop performing their primary job mm, yeah. because they're either going to go into a classroom if it's instructor-led or 
that for a recruiter, they're off the phone, they're out of the email, they're out of their applicant tracking system, and they're in front of a learning management LMS, and they're being fed slides of training content, which is washing over them. And the, and the key is just rote memorization of some piece of information. So the person who's paying for this has to accept the short-time productivity hit because your person's not making widgets or whatever it is they're doing for their job. Then they have to remember the content, which is a very you know scalable, that's a scale problem. But then you have to hope that they remember the right nugget of information at the right time to execute their job. Whereas we provide a platform that no matter how much time a recruiter, a candidate has to give to a recruiter before an inter- a submittal, whether they do a formal interview with our interview platform or they just use our content library to get a quick hit, almost like a, a, a flashcard with technical information on it so it can form the basis of a question. <clears throat> they don't have to know anything about microservices um, before a phone call with an architect, but you could call up a slide pros and cons of following the microservice design approach. On the left-hand column, the six pros is a pretty picture in the middle and the right column, the six cons and say, hey, so so in this job, you'd be d- designing apps following microservices. What's the good and bad of going the microservices way? Go. And it's all in natural language. The candidate, you're just having a conversation. The recruiter mm-hmm. is seeing this mm-hmm. narrated in right in front of them and they can see if the candidate is hitting on all these points. And so halfway through that conversation, this recruiter is like in his guts, says, man, this guy is all over it. I am absolutely submitting this guy. Hang up the phone, click the Zoom call, done. They don't have to remember anything about microservices from that conversation. All that matters is they validated that the person has the right knowledge in real time. Over time, it's going to start sticking with them. But the nice thing is the dependency of our dynamic method, dynamic engagement methodology, is we remove any dependency for memorization of the mm-hmm. content, and so just-in-time knowledge provides the right information at the right time in the right format, and it's being used to execute their job. It's not a component of go learn, you know, a bunch of material in training, and hopefully you remember it at the right time as you're actually doing your job, mm-hmm. and so it solves the problem of recruiters starting out with this galactic sized knowledge gap. And even if they had the time to go and be fed all this content, technology is evolving all the time. And it's just, it, it's in expanding at a geometric rate. There's no way people can just keep up with it. And so instead of expecting them to, to learn this stuff, provide the information right there as they're doing the job, ask a candidate, it's like, okay, how does DNS help you find a website? Why can't you use Oracle on a big data solution? Um, walk me through form, what actually form and function. Yeah, what what happens during a SQL injection attack? What's a hacker doing? Walk me through the fence post. And there's a diagram. Step one, step two, step three. And there's a longhand explanation of what it is. We show you it. It's narrated. It's almost like me standing behind your shoulder and say, "Okay, ask them this. Look, make sure they say this in this order. Red flag if they don't say this." And so the recruiters are going to elevate their technical literacy by osmosis as they're mm-hmm. learn as they're using the tool, more and more will stick. And so because they're using content that was made to be relatable to them, it's going to develop something we call conversational competence. Um, and, conversational and, and, competence. 
Yep. And uh, my, my vision is to create an entire generation of IT recruiters who can independently screen a candidate using their own internal pool of knowledge. And we're going to do it you, with you, our... You gave me the perfect snippet for the podcast there, Mark. Appreciate <laughs> it. I love that. I love that. Getting that in at the end. Um, Mark, where can folks find you and what kind of folks are you looking for? Um, so uh, techscreen.com uh, is our website. And um, you know, we're, we're, we want to work with any institution who needs to hire technologists, whether it's a staffing firm who's placing technologists for their customers or an internal um, talent acquisition organization who needs to hire tons and tons of IT people, like, and not just software companies. Like I said, like, you know, Fidelity, John Hancock, all the, I mean, these big giant insurance companies, Liberty Mutual, they hire tons and tons and tons of software engineers. You know, so so anyone who's hiring technologists needs to be on our platform because the amount of impact we have on their on their bottom line because we can reduce their time to fill up that we have a calculator that actually lets you type in like okay this is how many people we hire a year this is how many people like managers and engineers we have as part of our hiring um, process the interview panel. And you can actually, and, and this is our average time to fill, right? And we can let them calculate what their opportunity cost is right now. And it's like, it's like okay, if you're is totally average 52 days and you hire 250 people a year and you have two managers and three engineers on your purchase, okay, boom, here's your opportunity cost. What if you took it from 52 days down to 40? It's like, oh, wow, you just dropped your opportunity cost by seven figures. <laughs> And so mm-hmm. people get to see the impact of shortening the sales, the, the hiring cycle, because you can like we're putting our users in position on the first contact to make a meaningful technical evaluation of a candidate that's on par with like the manager phones. Like the manager gets on for 15 minutes, peppers some some questions, and mm-hmm. they're they're trying to decide at the end, do I bring them in for an onsite with my team or not? And yep. so we can effectively let the recruiter fulfill that role front end. We had a client once do a um, pilot with us and they hired tons of junior guys and their recruiters were killing the managers with phone screens and resumes. They went in and we can create a customized interview, like cherry picking questions out of our library. One of the team leads went in and cherry picked the .NET interview. And they said, if anyone does well in this batch of questions, we want to talk to them. So mm-hmm. what happened is, Two junior recruiters um, screened 155 software engineers in two months. That led to managers doing 40 formal interviews. They made 28 offers, a 70% interview to offer ratio. And after that, three of their engineering teams started, if a candidate got a 75 or better, they skipped the manager phone screen and booked them on site immediately. So the recruiter would be hanging up the phone and booking them for an on site interview. It cut their hiring time in half. Wow. Um, it, it, you know, so, um, you know, we have, we've had so many of these types of success stories, but one of our problems is we're bootstrapped. No one knows about us, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and so we really want to spread the message on how, we're really trying to fill that knowledge gap for recruiters by providing them with a tool that lets them engage as a peer with managers and or developers without the time, pain, 
of acquiring the knowledge to do it. It's just like ready to go information right in front of your face, read the slide, ask the question, get your validation, submit next, you know? Awesome. Um, and so we're, we're going to completely change how IT recruiters execute their job. And they're, like I said, they're going to elevate their technical literacy every time they engage with our platform. Awesome, Mark. Well, thank you. Lots of great nuggets in here. I'll include a link to tech screen and that calculator that you mentioned in the show notes. Um, thank you, Mark.